Welcome to Livestream Sports. I'm Ross Brand, and Livestream Sports is brought to you by Livestream Universe for everything live streaming. Check it out, LivestreamUniverse.com. We also have a website just for this show. It's LivestreamStars.tv. You can see upcoming guests and view replays of past shows. And on Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, we'll be back here on Fire Talk for Livestream Stars. Margie Annalise, who works with women entrepreneurs, she'll be the guest on that show. And now to tonight's guest, Matt B. Davis is the founder of Obstacle Racing Media. You can find him at ObstacleRacingMedia.com, where he hosts podcasts, provides video coverage, writes reviews of different races he attends. Matt's become a leading source of information in the OCR industry. He's also the author of Down and Dirty, the essential training guide for obstacle races and mud runs. And he's been published in numerous magazines, including Runner's World and Men's Health. And he also recently launched a new podcast, Talking Docs podcast, interviewing documentary filmmakers and subjects from those documentaries. So other than that, nothing <laughs> nothing really going on, right? I, I, I really didn't think you were going to bring up the uh, the other podcast. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, so thanks. let's start. Let's start there. I mean, sure. new, new project. Um, what's that all about? Yeah. So. Uh, you know, coming into this, you know, sort of almost by accident, and we'll, you know, we'll get into it, but just out of a passion for doing it. And I've grown it to a point where, you know, I still have to work on it every day, but I just, I was talking to someone um, about what I'm really passionate about. And I thought, why, why aren't I doing that? Like, I love docs. I like eat them up and it looks like it would be really fun to do. And so why not just start it up? Um, and I forgot, it's funny because like, again, I'm sure we're going to get into it, but like people ask how you grow an audience and I've been in a, you know, a podcast audience and I've been at it, you know, four plus years and it's like, look, there's no easy way. It's one listener at a time. It's just cranking out the content. So even though I know that intellectually, when I started this new one and like, Hey, it went up and like, you know, 20 people listened, it was like, Oh shit. Like this is really hard. Right, um, right. so and I've already fallen behind. Like I've already not done what you're supposed to do. I've not done it every week. I've fallen behind on the social part, and um, I, I I know I want to still do it. I just gotta I gotta make the bandwidth to to happen. And you're still doing obstacle racing podcasts. Yeah, that's every week. That's every week. That's, that's your solid. flagship thing, right? right exactly. And, exactly. And, and um, talk a little bit about what you do on on your podcast. Different kinds of shows. Different kinds of segments. Guests. What, what kind of stuff? Yeah, it's kind with? of the it's kind of you know the standard one or two guest show in that um, it's on. There's a couple ads. I talk for a little bit. Uh, I play the interview or interviews, and then we 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 close out. You know, I think when I started, I was kind of torn. I wasn't sure. Like I I talked very little. I just introduced the guest, um, right. and then sort of as I kind of went, I found that people liked sort of what I was talking about. Um, you know, the, the thing that's been, I think, the most fascinating about the podcast in general is that we produce all this content. We produce all these articles and videos and whatever. And the podcast probably has the smallest audience, but is the most loyal fans. Wow. Um, meaning people come up to me at the race and say, thank you for what you're doing for the sport. I really love the podcast. I listen to it on drives or on runs. Nobody's really saying, hey, that was a great race review article. But clearly that stuff is consumed much mm -hmm. more. Um, but I just think there's something about the podcast audience that you reach people in a way that works there's that connection through audio for some reason like people feel like they really get to know you and 
they, it becomes like a familiarity, right? They want to hear the next one. They want to hear what you have to say each week. And, um, you know, your story is kind of a great case study, not only for the sports industry, but for anybody who's passionate about a niche business or industry and wants to kind of follow their dream and, and do something with it. And, and can you, can you talk a little bit, I mean, how you started in 2012 with a podcast and a blog and how that's grown now into the obstacle racing media empire with, right. Well, I, I'm going to put different things that you do. Sure. I'm, I'm going to preface this by saying that, uh, I don't worship at the shrine of Vaynerchuk, but I do subscribe to most of his philosophies. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate in that I got guidance from someone like I didn't know that's what you're supposed to do, but that's what I did. Meaning, um, well, let me just back up even more. Like how he talks about, you know, get in the communities, have conversations. Don't just ask everybody to share your shit, actually be a part of the conversation. So I was doing that because I loved these races, right? I was at the races every weekend. I was in all the Facebook groups. Everybody knew me as that guy. So they knew they were getting the real deal. They weren't getting somebody pretending to be something he wasn't, right? right? So when I started the podcast, honestly, for fun and for free, I had another business. I had a staffing company, which I hated at the time. Um, <laughs> and I didn't know how to get out because, you know, it was my only form of income and, you know, I don't have a degree in anything. So um, I started this podcast and it sort of, I sort of immediately became that guy. You know, I was in early, which is also super important, right? Uh, so people were like, oh, this is, you know, I was producing content. Um, and then I had a, a partner who helped me launch the website who said, look, um, don't, there was other sites that, that were like calendar sites and were already getting more traffic. And he said, don't worry about those guys. You're going to win the long game on consistent quality content. So I know that's what, you know, what Vaynerchuk says every day. And right. That's just what we did. So, you know, I can't say we produce something every day, but we just started cranking out the content. And then, you know, that I would start to get a phone call, whether it's a race or a product or, you know, just, Hey, you seem to be this guy to talk to about this and that's how it happened. Right, right. And and how's like if you look at the media that covers um obstacle course racing, um what else is out there? I mean, we we have one real competitor and then a bunch of you know people doing it out of their basement. Um mm -hmm. and as you, you know, this is how I explain it. If you look at most people's blogs, whether it's about running or gardening or whatever, they're if you look at their blog, they've got about eight months worth of posts, right? Maybe they're pretty consistent. Then a year goes by and they say, sorry, I haven't been doing this, but I'm back now. And then you never hear from them again. Like that's right. most people's experience, right? So um, there's been a, like I said, we've got one main competitor, um, but I think we're 10 times better than they are. Um, and then a bunch of other folks that, you know, say, hey, we're going to be a, we're going to be the number one news site and we're going to give you discounts and we're going to do whatever. And um, that's fine. They can do that. Um, I also got some really good advice from a guy in the ultra running space. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of a website called I Run Far, but they're sort of what we do for ultra running. And right. I called him early on and said, "You know, do you what do you do about competition?" He said, "Matt, there's been so many that have come and gone since we started. We just have our head down and we just plow ahead, and that's kind of how we've done it." So you just keep showing up and putting out good content, and most people don't have the staying power really to 
to dive in fully to produce maybe content of that quality, but they also just hit a wall and they go, okay, I don't want to push forward anymore or I got too much else. They're not going all in on it. They're going, okay, this doesn't seem fun this week anymore like it did when I started, so I'm going to quit. Or I'm going to take a break, and then they come back because they feel guilty, right? Right. <laughs> and so they put a few blog posts up, and then they go, you know, it's still not any more fun than it was when I hit this wall last time. So right. goodbye and good night. And- exactly. And and I think it's because, like, if it if it, you know, I'm sure you know that anything can feel like a drain or a job, right, if you're not passionate about it, right? Like, you're like, oh, I don't want to do this, which is how my staffing company felt. Like, I was so happy to not be working for the man but at some point, I just didn't want to get out of bed and do that. Whereas this, I can't say I'm inspired every single day, but the times that I am to crank out an article or to interview somebody cool or whatever it is, like this past weekend, I was in Vermont for this special race and we were kind of the only ones let in there. And I was able, I actually did it all on Snapchat um, because Signal was very weak. So I couldn't do Facebook Live or Periscope. So I right. would just save all the snaps and then run back you know, like a mile back to get signal and I would do it. Um, and so that's, I think the other thing that happened is that I got, we, there's been a few things that we got known for. So when no one was at, there's these big events that happen throughout the year and we were the only ones there covering them. Now there's a bunch, but we were the first ones and people would like literally say like, these, there's this 24 hour event. This is a tough mutter shirt. There's a 24 hour event called the world's toughest mutter. And people would be tweeting at me like, please find my dad, find my cousin. And if I could, I would. And then when it was over, people would be like, that was amazing. We loved your coverage. Um, So we got known for that. And then we also wrote a couple articles that had some teeth to them, Mm -hmm. a little investigative journalism. Um, And we weren't afraid to call somebody out. And that, you know, that also brought people our way. Like, wow, these guys aren't afraid and they're, you know, willing to go where other people aren't going. So from when you started, how long did it take until you made your first dollar doing this? And then how long until you said, okay, this can really become my day-to-day business. Like I can eventually get out of the staffing field. Well, it's interesting because the staffing thing I I sort of sold just as as this was taking off. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that I was trying to think about that because I figured we'd talk about this, like how many months before I said to my first client, like, do you want to advertise with us? Like, I think Mm -hmm. the podcast was the first thing I said, like, hey, for $250, we'll mention you every week this month on the podcast. I think that was after maybe maybe six months. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I would do, uh, I drove for Uber for a while when that that money was decent. Um, And then literally probably about a year and a half ago, I I finally stopped doing all things and just focused on this. Um, But it was bringing, it was bringing, you know, it was bringing an income along the way. Right, right. Um, and so now that that um, you, you've built things up, what, what, where did you start adding video to the mix? You oh, know, you're podcasting, you're blogging. When did you start bringing video into the mix? Well, I feel like I really lucked out because most of the people that work for us, you know, work for like free races because I can't pay them. And there was a guy who was putting on his GoPro and making these fun little videos. Um, but he was doing it a little bit better than most. Like most people, if you ever watch, if you Google Tough Mudder right now, you're going to find a GoPro, like shaky GoPro, really loud, horrible music. And it goes on for 27 minutes. Um, 
And so this guy, Jeff, was doing his own. And I said, would you like to do some for us? And he became slowly but surely part of the brand. Like the kind of videos we do had a certain feeling, had a certain personality. And um, I don't think you can fake that stuff. You know, again, it's the, it's the, it's the Gary Vee thing about just consistent and it's quality and people know they're getting a certain thing. Um, and now, uh, and we were doing a ton of them for free. And now we finally feel like with the kind of traffic we get, now we can like sell that like, Hey, you want to sponsor a video, um, pay us X amount and we can put your titles at the front. We could probably do some pretty organic, right? pretty organic. Um, you know, if it's a sock, we could show somebody putting on the sock and it wouldn't look too cheesy. You, you know what I mean? Um, right. Right. What kind of coverage do the events themselves <laughs> get? Do they get media coverage? Are they ever broadcast? So, I mean, so Spartan right now has two shows on NBC. They have a they have a regular show, which I think they show on NBC Sports, and they just started this sort of wacky yeah. game show almost version that follows American Ninja Warrior called Spartan Team Challenge. But it's you know there's no like like the AP isn't picking up results on the weekend, right? Um, right, right, and. Uh, hey, you're welcome, Dan. And even even those that are in the sport, and this is always a big question about our sport, is who are you advertising to, right? The 95% of people who are just getting off the couch and goofing around or the 5% that want to compete, right? So when we blast out, hey, you know, I can name people you don't know. Ryan Atkins beat Hunter McIntyre in a race. There's a percentage of people that are like, wow, that's awesome. And then people are, you know, like, well, I don't care about those guys. Um <laughs> You know what I mean? So it's a little of it's a little of both. I think early on we were actually a little too much on the what they call elites, because because that's what's newsworthy, <laughs> right? Like every week there's a race and every week there's a winner, so that was newsworthy. And then we kind of realized, like, okay, like we need to be more about we need to provide more, you know, just regular gear reviews and regular content, because um, that's not what everybody wants. Jason Bates says, um, "I'm looking to get into the Spartan uh, type race." I'll tell you what I tell everybody: <laughs> sign up. Like just throw the credit card down and sign up and then figure it out afterwards. Because if you wait until you're ready, you'll never be ready. And how much, um, how much of your content is like how to, how to train, how to, how to get it, get you know, get an well, edge on the competition. You know what's interesting is like that, that I feel like we, we didn't do that. We still don't have a lot of that and it should be, first of all, it's really good for search, right? Um, mm -hmm. what are the, what's the best races? What's the best gear? Um, <laughs> I'm laughing at Jason's <laughs> comment. Jason, I'll, I'll get into that in a minute. I think that's most people's excuse. And, and I can show you pictures of, you know, veteran war veterans without limbs. I can show you videos of people who are, you know, um, you know, morbidly obese who get out there and try. So, uh, don't wait, we can talk about that later, but anyhow, um, there's a lot of basic stuff that we didn't do that. If I had to start over again, I would have, um, cause like when I wrote a book, which I got asked to do eventually, like that's got tons of articles that or information like that, that the website should have. Like we, we just got a calendar, like a calendar is the kind of most basic thing that everybody does. And we did that last, but um, it would have brought more traffic our way earlier, but I'm still glad that we focused on what we focused on. So now um, what do you see like in terms of growing? Like what do you see? What's next for you? You mean like the sport itself or? For, for you in terms of your coverage, right? Because you started in 2012 going into, say, 
20, by the time we get to 2017 or 2018, like what's your, your dream as far as, Hey, how big can we build this? Or what kind of coverage don't we have now, but we could add as technology improves. What's something that's like your, your sort well, of stretch honestly, goal at this there. Point, it's pretty simple. It's get like buy Jeff a nicer camera. You know what I mean? Because there's, there's only so much right, we can do right. with limited funds. Right. And, that's why sponsored content, I think, is such a big way to go for us on the um, on the video because we can start taking that and putting that towards investing and like because honestly, if you look at what we've done with what we have, it's pretty impressive. And I think that's the that's the one of the biggest lessons. There's that famous blog. Um, I forgot who wrote it, but it's um, post now, edit later. And I couldn't. I that's the biggest thing I would say. Um, and I think, again, that's another thing Gary says, just keep cranking it out. Um, because if you go back to my early podcasts, I use that God awful blog talk radio, which I'm sure you're familiar with. And it, <laughs> it sounds God awful, but I started with it. I didn't know anybody. I, dude, I didn't even know like how to use Libsyn. You know, I didn't know there was a Libsyn. I just, I just was, I, right. I was like, oh, I can call in and it'll work. Great. I'll use that. Um, and then even, even, you know, even after, you know, there's things I learned about editing, even the audio that I've learned this year that I did. I mean, you know, in my fourth year, 180 episodes, I probably should have learned it sooner. Um, but yeah, just keep cranking it out and don't wait till you have the perfect camera or the perfect equipment or. Right, right. Jason asked, does a resistance <laughs> mask really work? Or so funny you training? ask, Jason. We just launched, and I don't know, do you do show notes after this or? Yeah, I can, you can send me whatever you, you want, sure, like links just, or anything put up a series of articles where, and this is one of those things people like us for that we had the guys on and debunked it and, um, or questioned their methods. And they actually, they reached out to us afterwards and said, we want to move away from this. We'd been moving away from it, but I think we sped it up a little bit. Um, they, it's funny you use the term resistance mask. So they were calling it the elevation mask and they're not anymore because it has nothing to do with elevation. It can help with certain types of breathing, um, and I forget exactly what those things are, um, but it definitely will not simulate you being at a high elevation. They may have already changed. Let me see if they changed their website um, really quickly because that'll be really cool if they already changed it. <laughs> so uh, Jason says, blog talk, talk uh, audio sucks. Yeah, the same yeah I mean, it's really, it's really – yeah. but you know what's interesting? But the thing is, you got started and then you changed course a little bit along the way rather than waited until you perfected your knowledge of everything. And so you are already building momentum, building an audience and improving your technique so that when you went to a higher quality platform, when you upgraded your equipment and all that stuff, you already had had something going, right? You weren't starting from zero with like the perfect right. setup. And, and that's, again, that's what somebody else called, this is an old saying, ignorance on fire, right? Just, I want to do this. I don't really know how, um, and I'm just going to do it. And again, I didn't, like I hadn't read that blog. But when I read that blog, you know, post on it later, it made total sense to me. Jason says, seems like the resistance mask. Right. Well, people like have said a lot of things. People said it's like drinking through a straw. <laughs> it's like breathing through a kazoo. Wow. And one of the things I, I like from looking at, at your reviews and different stuff is, and, and I think this is a mistake a lot of people make, is when they try and cover like a niche industry, particularly one that doesn't get 
the coverage that football or basketball, baseball gets, they become a shell for the powers right. that be and the, the events and stuff like that. And eventually they they lose credibility, whereas you will go very in depth into what you like and don't like where the race turned bad. What what was going on? Like you're very, very credible. And I think like long term, that's the way to go. Right. Because you're going to be trusted by your audience as opposed to just I'm here a salesman for the events and the products. And hopefully by doing that, then, you know, I'll get my sponsors and, you know, one hand washes the other. So I like that. I'm impressed because it's like you take a real like old school media approach, journalism approach to it in a way rather than, OK, I'm just here to be an influencer. Right. And, and, get it's, my and it, is, it is a hard it is a fine line, especially when it's a small company, because. If I'm going to write an article right. about you that's not so flattering and then the next day say, by the way, can I have some money? It's kind of weird, right? Um, okay. <laughs> we're not resistance back to do an oxygen bar. <laughs> um, but yeah, again, it's, it's, it's what I think we do that, that no one else is doing is, is again, a Vaynerchuk thing. Like not, it, we're not playing for today, right? We're not like, so when, when people do things like that, they're playing for today. Um, oh, hey, Chris Strub, what's up? Um, uh, and we're playing the long game, and it's tough to play the long game. And I've gotten, like, we've gotten flack. Like, this, so there was this, the first article that sort of put us on the map was there was this race called Superhero Scramble, and it was this nice race, and everybody loved it. But the guy wasn't paying people. He wasn't paying his vendors. He wasn't paying. He was paying. He was saying like he wanted to be just like Spartan. We're going to pay the top winners, and he wasn't paying those people. And everybody knew it, right. and nobody was talking about it. And, um, you know, I wrote a really long in-depth piece on it and I was really torn. I, I really wasn't sure, um, what to do. Um, and you know, my part of the time said, you know, we, we have to do it. And, you know, hitting send on that changed everything because half the people were like, oh my God, you're killing the sport. This is horrible. And half the people were like, way to go. Um, and right. then a year and a half later when he went out of business, um, and left everybody hanging in the wind, it was kind of like, you know, I didn't gloat about it, but I can internally glo gloat about it and know that we did the right thing. And there's been, you know, a few other things like that that have gone along. But I think that's what like consciously or unconsciously stays with people. Like, oh, I can I can trust this guy. Right. He's not just gonna, you know, be a shill for the people. Have you have you been following the uh the MMA stuff with uh with Ariel? Is that what you, are you referring to that at all? No, you. You're talking sorry. to Chris or me? Oh, no, no. I, I don't want to Oh, really well, neither do I, but there's this huge hubbub because Ariel Helwani broke news and they kicked him out of the event and said, How dare you? You, you know, he's like, Well, I'm not, I'm, I'm a journalist. I'm not doing anything wrong. You didn't hear this oh, thing? Okay. Oh, it was a huge, huge no, deal. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, he's, you know, they're saying the UFC is, um, saying like, oh, we spent millions of dollars on this preview and it hurts the fans. And that's always – the straw man is always – I ne I can't – I always tune you out. Bad for the sport, hurting the fans. Like, forget it. Right, right. And here's the thing, though, too, about probably about your, your article that had some controversy, right? Those that thought you took a great stand on it couldn't wait to see what you were going to do next. But probably those that didn't like your opinion – 
probably also wanted to see what you were going to say next. And you, you, you still had a chance to win them over, right? Because they came back again a couple more times. Like, ah, I don't like this guy. I got to see what crap right. he's saying now. Right. And then they start listening and they start reading and, and perhaps they start liking what you're doing or they see other things of interest on your website. So it sounds like, you know, I'm, I'm just guessing here, but I think that's, that's a way by putting yourself out there a little bit that you can, you can win over not just the people who agree with you, but even the people that disagree with you have a reason to come back because it's not just the same party line. That right. They can read and everywhere you know, what's else. interesting is that I find that sometimes much like politics, people dig in and that's what they're going to think, right? If they're, if they're, if they're a Homer for a right. certain person or a certain race, no matter what you say is going to change that. But interestingly enough, when people have messaged us, like private message the page, and I've responded. They've actually like I didn't think so, but they've actually turned around. It's weird. Like they they'll say, I don't know, you use bad language, and we don't like that. And then like I would explain why, like that's okay. And if it's like not blast them, but calmly explain, they can get their news somewhere else. And this is how we are. And I I can't think of more specific examples, but I know there's been stuff like that where then people have gone, oh, okay, cool. Well, that's thank you for saying that. Because maybe they didn't expect us to write back. Maybe they thought right. if they just blasted us on social that we wouldn't write back. Um, right. So you take the hug your haters approach, as Jay Bear would yeah, say. Yeah, and sometimes they're just going <laughs> to hate you anyway, right? They're still going to, like I said, they're right. going to, you're not going to convince them. So. so in the last year... Oh, like a year and a couple months, I guess, since these different live streaming apps came on the scene and then later on Facebook Live. And what what role has that played in? in yeah. Your so this is the kind of stuff I'd love to get your feedback on. And, you know, guys like Chris who are on here is. Um, when, you know, we all know that Facebook uh, rigged the game so that if you don't pay, you're probably going to get hurt, right? Like your just organic reach dropped, right? So yeah. And particularly if you have a page, they really want right? you to pay and to even, boost and that even in the last <laughs> few months, you've got to pay even more. Like you like the, now when you type in your little numbers, they don't go very high. Um, so I'll answer your question about shoes in a minute, Jason and Chris. Um, but um, so, so I found Periscope first and found that um, if I launched a personal, a personal Periscope, I would get a lot more traction than my company. Um, cause like, mm -hmm. even though I have way more followers on the, um, on the ORM side, um, cause I kind of played with both, um, which is another right. question that we can get into about personal brand versus company. Um, but on Facebook, it's almost, it's the opposite. Um, when I launch from our media page, unless we're at a specific event, it gets almost nothing. But my personal page, which I have a lot of, like I just hit the 5,000 limit, it seems to get lots of traction. So I was asking you about whether I think Periscope's going to go away just from the basic concept of a lot of people don't even have a Twitter account or they use it or they have it, but they're like, yeah, I don't ever use that. Right. So everybody's got Facebook. The problem is uh, everybody's already overusing it, right? Everybody's like, ugh, these stupid people in their Facebook Live cooking dinner. I don't give a shit. It's already – we're already there and it hasn't <laughs> even been that long, right? It's been less than a year. Um, right, So right. I think um, – like I said, I snapped a whole story this weekend and I then put it on – I then put it on YouTube 
and YouTube videos typically are short and they're good when they're short, but we put this whole thing, which ended up being 30 minutes of material. Um, so um, when we're at these events, people, these, people love it because there isn't TV. And so they go nuts when you're at the finish line of an event or at this 24 hour events. Um, Periscope was huge last year. It's gonna be interesting to see how to go, how it goes with Periscope or Facebook. Well, what's interesting, I think, is that for a lot of people, particularly people who don't have a business page and see Facebook as just a place to share with friends and family and their sort of their inner right. circle, right? I think that a lot of those folks will, if they go into doing live streaming in a sort of one-to-many fashion, may pick Paris. I mean, may pick Periscope because Twitter's where they kind of connect with people outside that circle, right? Where they connect with people for business purposes, to learn things, to you know, to participate in Twitter chats, whatever it is that they they they're interested in. Um, I, I'd be interested, Chris, also uh, what you think of this. Feel free to throw it throw it in the chat. But I, I think so. There there can be different uses of it. Um, of course, what we're doing here is eventually, you know, Brad mentioned, you know, the interview kind of thing is going to eventually come to Facebook, and that's going to change the game because people are going to start doing more content that they're going to want to get not just within their network, but beyond it. So uh, people might start changing how they approach video on Facebook. Um, but for now, a lot of people who don't have, you know, business presence on Facebook are just looking to share stuff with family and friends. And so I, I think for them, there's still a use for, for a platform like uh, Periscope. Well, I mean, Twitter. at the end of the day, I think you got to be interesting to watch. And some people are not interesting to watch. Right. And unfortunately, everybody thinks they're funny. Everybody thinks they're good and bad. Everybody thinks that they're interesting <laughs> to watch. Um, and they're not. Right, right. <laughs> people like tune out. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I think when it comes to media, you got to pick what your strengths are, right? I mean, you know, everybody's got like, I don't, I don't like to do the one to many thing. I don't like to take a cell phone. Like when I'm out and about, I just want to do my own thing and be left alone. Right. But I enjoy this, uh, you know, tremendously. So, okay, that's what I'm going with. Right. Um, other people hate doing this kind of stuff where they feel very uncomfortable in these kind of conversations, but they love showing you, you know, the day-to-day -day moments from their life or capturing an event or a speech or something like that. So I, I think there's different ways people can play with live streaming. And we talk about it like it's all one thing, but really there's a major division between people doing it, you know, on the go and capturing a moment and things like that. And then people doing more broadcasting with it. Yeah, right? for sure. I mean, I like, I don't like my show isn't like this, right? Like if I'm, if I have an interview with someone, even if we do it over Skype, I don't turn on the video because it just slows the the, the speed down. Um, because that's just not the show I do. Right. I just, it's just for podcasts and audio is super strong. You know, I had a friend who actually launched a video show and I said, you know, it, it won't cost you anything else to just push it to, a podcast or it's really cheap, right? 15 bucks a month through Libsyn and people and much more people are going to listen right. to a 30 minute show than are going to watch a 30 minute show, I think. And so, you know, he's done it and it's grown into this cool podcast and he's happy he did it. Yeah. More people are going to download a podcast. Very few people are going to download video, even if that option exists. So with a podcast, um, they, they don't, they're not relying on like Wi-Fi or you know, cell coverage or whatever, they can just take it on the go. They can listen to it, you know, wherever they are. 
So that's a big benefit, I think, of of podcasts and something maybe I should consider. Well, but I mean, too. but clearly this is your platform. Like if you're going all in on the interview show mm -hmm. and like like real programming, like I heard, okay, this is who's coming up next. Um, this is who's you know on at ten o'clock. Like like this is what you're all in on. So it's a different thing than just a weekly podcast. Um, you know, when I started out, and my the guy who helped me build the website said, look, go all in on the content you know, game. And that's what we're going to do. Um, I thought you either did that. Like if you look at our site, it's really clean. It's really pretty. Um, mm -hmm. and then you look at like a, a shitty site, like an affiliate, it's all affiliate link sites. I thought that's what was existed in the world. I didn't, I literally didn't know. This is a great example. Cause I just posted this link. I literally didn't know you could write an article called best shoes for obstacle racing and make money on that article. That's just by adding a few Amazon links. Like I honestly didn't know that. Um, so I didn't start that until like two years into it. So um, there's certainly a tasteful way to write articles and include Amazon or other product links that make, you can have the best of both worlds and I didn't know that you could. So do that if that's one of your goals is to make money on the internet. You just link the, you know, the product you have it linked right. to your as affiliate link. You mentioned somewhere right. as long in the, as the article. article's legit, right? Like we're not just saying these are the best shoes in the right. world because you know it's like here's. I want to have a link to it. You, you do the linking off right. of the content. Like you first, you choose the quality content, and then you link. You don't go, okay, I think I can make money off of this shoe. Let me follow right. up. Which an is, article. of course is what a lot of people do. And I didn't, like I said, I didn't know there was any other way. Right. Um, so yeah, so the best way to train for a Spartan race, you want me to answer that question? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, um, really keep it simple is whatever you like to do is, is what I suggest. If you're someone who likes to go to the gym and push weight around, do that. I don't like that. I like to go for a run. So I go for runs and then I do what they call just body weight exercises, push-ups, pull-ups. Um, you can do burpees. You can, like if there's a park near you and you can do monkey bars. Um, you can also buy my book, uh, which was mentioned earlier. Down and Dirty, The Essential Training Guide <laughs> to Obstacle Racing and Mud Runs, available on Amazon and at Barnes and & Noble. Um, and fine books book sellers you. you. Um, but yeah, it's again, it's what we talked about earlier is not waiting, um, not waiting till it's too late. Um, I mean, till you, like what I tell people, which I'm actually, I'll tell you, Jason, like I'll get you in for free. Um, that takes away all, everybody's excuse. Tell me where you live. Um, uh, we'll talk offline and uh, I'll get you a code and that's usually what I do because I want to get people into it. How long were you participating in races before you uh, like, actually started like, like right started away talking about it? Um, I, my first race was February 2012. I started training in December of 2011, February 2012. My podcast launched in June of 2012. Were you were you participating in no, other sports? Was, were you like an athlete growing up? Or no, I was. Uh, you kind of came average, to this. Average softball playing dad is how I would explain it, right? Like I wasn't, I was never right. obese, but I, I certainly could have lost. Like if you look at old pictures of me when Facebook says, here's a picture of you six years ago, my face was a lot bigger. Um, and I was just your average softball playing dad. And honestly, like my wife has to remind me, like, remember how stupid you thought it was when people went running? You were like, why would anybody do that? So what you do, you train by running, um, but just running on clean you don't you don't run in the mud. I like to run you? on. I like to what find trails wherever I can. It's more fun to me than running on cement. Um, so yeah, like if you can find trails where you live near where you live, uh, I recommend that because it's also better 
like you're going to be more prepared than just running on the street all the time. Um, and how long, how long do you think somebody should train for? Like if they're not, you know, they haven't been training or anything like that and they go, okay, I would like to try this. How, how many months? I, I, I would say if you're going to run like a basic Spartan sprint, which is four to six miles, uh, if you get up to where you can run five miles and you'll be fine. So, you know, if you're running mm-hmm. a mile three times a week and then bump that to two and then you can eventually get to five, you'll be fine. So you're talking no, a few like months, maybe. Weeks. Yeah. Like weeks. Ross, you okay. could you could do the couch to 5K thing in like six weeks. Like it's not. <laughs> you never <laughs> heard that before? 5K. That's all that's all the no, rage. I like that's all the that. rage. I whoever like whoever cornered that phrase like is making money. Um see? Hey Will Hicks. <laughs> Will's uh Will's been a longtime podcast fan. Will says just set up a free You'll figure oh, it out cool. when you get there. And that's the thing that most people think. Yeah. They think you got to be super fit. They see pictures of like shirtless dudes and, you know, they get out there and they go, wow, that guy's in worse shape than me. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, not months, I would say weeks. Like if there's a race, two months from now, sign up, three months, even better. But yeah. And how many participants do you get at, at races? Um, I guess it, var- it varies by well, region and well, all that kind of Well, it varies by company. Stuff, so but- Spartan... Spartan and Soft Mudder are the biggest, and they get you know Spartan on right. any weekend gets like between six and ten thousand. Um, and in in twenty twelve thirteen, Tough Mudder and Spartan were getting like ten, fifteen, twenty thousand. These massive weekends now it's a little bit smaller. These smaller like local mom and pop races will get like a thousand people. Cool, cool. So were you were a sports fan growing up? Were you like like listening to sports media, sports radio, watching sports so, on TV? Here's what's really interesting is that when I was when I was a young man, um, I like honestly my heroes were were Howard Cosell and Bob Costas. Like honestly, like um, wow. Bob Costas used to have a show on Westwood One. I used to listen to. I don't know if you remember that show. It's like a baseball show, right? Sunday nights, and uh, or... and he had that show later. Um, uh, right, right. and I kind of like, that's what I kind of like, I thought that's what I would be as a, as a sportscaster. Um, and then I actually got into, I got into stand up comedy in my twenties and early thirties and did that thing for a while. Oh, nice. Um, so this kind of is like my boyhood dream come true, like the long way around. Um, mm-hmm. but like, like I didn't go to like broadcasting school and then work at a bunch of local stations and like what would my life been like if I did do that I don't know because it kind of it went the way it went but yeah dude like absolutely like so so NFL all the way right like could tell you every Super Bowl every score every MVP for a long time uh a Patriots, well, fan? Patriots fan but also just NFL dude like with the, the game and this is before right. fantasy right like fantasy now every game is interesting mm-hmm. but before fantasy there's no reason <laughs> to watch, you know, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, other than, you know, you want to watch John Madden and Pat and Pat Summerall, right? Um, right, right. So I'm guessing we we talked before we're about the same age. Like you grew up watching all that stuff, right? Yeah. And so absolutely. the rest of the year, I'd watch sports. I'd always watch the World Series. I'd always watch the NBA championship. But like I didn't. But like I lived and died with football, and I still do. It's the one sport I still hang on to. Um, I barely kind of watch the other sports i watched game seven of the nba championship because it was game seven it was phenomenal (laughs) um but yeah um i'm uh i'm one of those like like i can't wait for football season to start so are there elements from the way the the big four 
football, basketball, hockey, uh, baseball are covered either in the media, online, um, games, whatever it is, um, that you've said, okay, that's an element I want to bring into my, the way I do things. Like there must be some influences you have from things you've seen that you go, okay, that, that would work. And then there's probably some things you go, okay, that's good for that sport, but it's not going to work in one. Well, again, I think it comes back to being, you know, being genuine and having genuine people work for you that aren't just, you know, that aren't just homers and aren't just, um, because mm-hmm. there are people that do that and I have friends that do that that write blogs and they go yeah I'm never going to uh, touch these subjects because that's not what I do that's what you do and that's what people count on us to do um, but yeah I mean I certainly want to be looked at um, and you know I'm trying to think of a comparison but it's like there really isn't anymore right like nobody has any balls everybody's in bed right ESPN is, is completely right. in bed with everybody um, which is why I like uh, are you a PTI fan yeah, yeah. They're I the only that. guys I trust, honestly. Like talking heads to me are a bunch of idiots. Um, I can't like I can never watch Stephen A. Smith or the guy he's with or Rome or any of those guys. They all like they're experts on everything and they're just assholes. Are we allowed to curse on here, by the way? <laughs> yeah. I mean it's a family show, but okay. I'll believe that. And, uh, no. And and Mike and Tony, I love them because they admit they don't watch soccer, they admit they don't watch hockey. Um Tony doesn't even admit he stay, like he admits he goes to bed if it's a West Coast game. Like they they don't pretend to be experts in everything, and they call out you know Mike especially um, you know calls out ESPN you know the worldwide leader mm-hmm. for you know pushing these stories forwards and being about Tim Tebow all day for a year when they don't need to be. Right. Um, so yeah, I think the things that you've touched on an unbiased, trusted source. Will Hicks um, have you guys talked about OCR? On so, yeah, TV we yet? talked about it a little, Will. He asked if, if any of it was on television. Um, and we talked a little bit about the new Spartan show. Um, what I want, like, I know how people in our community feel about the shows. What I want to know is what other people think. And you can try to go to Twitter as a way to, like, search hashtags. But, like, what am I going to do, knock on doors? Because, like, in our communities, people are talking all about it. It sucks. It's great. But I want to know what the average person thinks. Does it make them want to do a race? Does it make them interested in doing a race? Does it make them interested in people, their friends who do a race? And it's kind of hard to find that information. You know, I imagine that doing that covering races is is going to be something that would be really hard for a small business, right? You'd need a variety of people scattered all over the race and at different points and set up like to try and do it on TV live is is got to be But see a here's the thing is right? that I, there's so many sports that that nobody's watching. Like if you watch versus, okay, and mm-hmm. you see you know from <laughs> fishing to dune buggies to all these sports and they have sponsors, right? You'll see it on the cars, you'll see right. it on signage, you'll see it in the shows like like clearly somebody's watching those shows and somebody that has money thinks we should get behind this. So the fact that we can't really get a groundswell around OCR to me is, is surprising because it's, I think more interesting to watch. But in terms of the logistics of, of broadcasting an event, like you would need a fair right. number well, of need, people, right? Like that's not something you can, you can go out with Periscope and right. go, well, okay. You, right. Well, you can come. use drones and you would, and you would use gators. Right. There was actually a great race called hard charge 
that were the, one of the first ones to get on TV. They were a little Midwestern company, the same guys that had launched these, this, uh, these poker shows in the Midwest that, that did really well. And they got on Gators and followed them all the way around, and it was super cool. But it didn't, it didn't, you know, it didn't pick up. Right, right. Is that something that you would consider doing at, at some well, point? Or I, I mean, I think, you know, you asked where I'd like to go. Um, like, there's been a couple of shows, and I should be the guy that's, I should be the color commentary guy. I mean, I think I'm the perfect, I'm the perfect guy go. for it. And so it kind of made me smile that on this recent Spartan team show, they picked two guys. One's a pro football player, one's a soccer player. So they certainly have more Twitter followers than me, but are they interesting to watch? Does anybody care? Um, cause they don't really know the sport. So I think that, I think that day is coming for me. I'm. Um, you mentioned that. I, I think that's a, that's a great opportunity uh, that'll come eventually because you've got real expertise on it. You've been covering it for a long time. You have a good voice. You have a good presence. Um, your time will come, well, I think. I mean, there aren't there aren't a hundred options if they want to go into the media, right? To co- to to pick who have, you know, who have the different elements that you have, right? right? Um, and from your lips to God's ears, as my grandmother would say. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's interesting because um, you know th- those guys that got chosen got chosen from a production company's mindset, right? Like they're not looking at they're like, okay, we got to do this. Let's send out the call sheet to the casting company. I mean, to the, you know what I mean? So, and they got people. Right. Let's get right. a big name in here that will bring right. the viewers. But this is a niche market, which people are passionate about and know a lot about. So they can, they can see through a phone. Right. So for seconds. example, <laughs> on the other Spartan show, they had Christmas Abbott, really attractive, apparently well-known in the CrossFit world, but not an OCR person. Like, why not me? Why not me instead right. of her? Sorry, Christmas. But like, clearly... Um, so yeah, I think my day is coming too. So I just have to keep being, and that, again, that's, that's cool. Well, that's, good luck with that's that. That's the patience <laughs> thing that you know. Again, that our buddy Gary talks about is like, look, you just got to hang in there. So that's what I'm doing. Right, right. Have you seen Gary speak in person? I haven't. Or? He was here for one of the bazillions, you know, uh, conferences that there are, and I was going to go that day, and I didn't. <laughs> um, I mean, I, if I could get like. 10 minutes to pick his brain, I, I would feel really, and I've asked a few questions on the, on the show and I haven't got on yet. I'm kind of bummed about that. So I think I've asked good questions. Mm. Um, have you talked to him? Did you have him on here? I, I haven't had him on. I, I did see him speak a couple times and got, uh, got to chat with him for a second. I mean, it was like a quick second. I mean, there's so many people wanted to talk right. to him and everything. Um, but, uh, seems like a good guy. I, I mean, he's very busy, but just so sharp like when it comes to business just such a sharp mind yeah things and a lot of people take his message and they they pick the wrong the wrong things out of it and he's got a lot of imitators and sometimes i feel like he must think they're just taking it wrong they're doing the wrong thing well that's what's interesting dude is that i like through through watching gary and through like um, Snapchat and stuff, like I found like, oh, here's these other influencers and they're all either trying to be Gary or just not interesting at all. And I'm like, these people are like, like I had to unfollow them on Snapchat. Are you big on Snapchat or no? I, I use it, but I don't love it yet. Because <laughs> you like you like doing this way. You don't like the one-to-many thing. You like it more. You like the one-to-one. I mean, some people use it just as a messaging app, but I, I don't know. I don't like really doing the story stuff yet. Maybe I will. 
I, I like watching what some people do. There's some funny people on right. it. That I well, follow. again, you know what's interesting is we were talking about like what people watch on like either Periscope or Snapchat is that like I did start using the ORM channel as my personal channel um, and like showing like my kids and stuff. And that's the stuff that like people love. Like you wouldn't think it, that's, but sometimes that's the stuff that people like, oh, like, oh my God, that's hilarious. Um, whether they have kids or not. Right, right. And it's not, it has nothing to do with a race. I'm, I can only be at a race on a weekend during the week. You know, I'm walking around, I'm on a run, I'm eating stupid food, I'm sweating. Um, but if people like your personality, then they like your personality. So, uh, right, right. And it gives them a view kind of behind the scenes, right? right. Like it's beyond what they're used to seeing and they like, like right, access. exactly. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm gotta give it another chance, I think, but if, I'm not like going to delete it, but I don't log in all the time. That's, I, you know, that's not the place to go to message me if you, you want me to. Yeah, well, yeah, and they disappear. So like somebody will write you back on a message and I don't remember what the question was because it's, it disappears. So, um, right. So right. yeah. Um, but no, if it wasn't for Gary, I would have never gotten on Snapchat. I was like a year ago. I was like, most people like, nope, it's for kids, blah, blah, blah. Um, and now I'm really glad that I dove into it because now we're crushing it there. Yeah. Yeah. What other platforms, you know, you can't be everywhere. Which, what are the platforms that you put most of your attention on? So, um, Instagram, we doubled down on probably a year ago. I found a guy to take over that for us. And who, again, like has his own sort of take on things. Um, and again, that's what I feel like Mm -hmm. I said, I feel like you just kind of get lucky if you find the right people for the right thing. His voice is not my voice, but it's fits into ORMs and his sense of humor is good. Um, so right, right now the biggest, I mean, obviously we're constantly, we're pushing our content through Facebook, but mostly to the communities, right? Like either I'll publish it in one of these regional groups or someone will. Um, but you know, our page itself won't necessarily get, you know, like once in a while something gets really hot and gets shared without us doing it. Sometimes I like to just test it out. Like, okay, let me post this article once on our page see if it catches fire. Um, but even then I kind of almost can't resist. Like, well, let me just put it in this one group and then watch our little live analytics go up. Um, but <laughs> all over Instagram, all over Snapchat, I'm on Twitter, but somewhat inconsistent. Um, but we actually have a Twitter chat that someone started. Will is usually on it. Um, and it hasn't, it hasn't really picked oh, up no. much traction in our space. How long have you been, been doing, doing it? it? A few months now. And it's kind of the same few people. And, um, yeah, I just, I don't know if we're too, I don't know if we're too late yeah. or. I don't know if you're too late. I don't know. Hmm. Like it's been. It's tough. It's tough now because live stream people are going right to video to do th- stuff. And, um, some of the, the, the Twitter chats have been around for like five, right. six years and that they just have such a huge that's what built I mean in by audience too late is that Like I know there's like this other running website that's there's a few run chats and they're huge, but they've been doing it for years. And, um, and again, it's like, I just don't, I don't have the bandwidth for it. So I personally focus on, on Facebook, Snapchat and Instagram. Cool. Well, it's great having you on. We're, we're up against the top of the hour. Thank you so much. Um, it's obstacle racing media.com. Matt B Davis.